And from the KTOO newsroom in Juneau, I'm Yvonne Crumery. Good afternoon. In a nondescript office in Juneau, a team of self-described weather nerds works to predict the future. But in Southeast Alaska, they're up against some major challenges. KTOO's Anna Canny has more. Weather forecasting is notoriously hard to get right. No one knows that better than National Weather Service meteorologist Grant Smith. I remember this very vividly because it was like at this moment, I just like, all right, I give up. This one time I was standing at my house looking outside and it was 34 and raining. And I was just drinking my coffee. Later that afternoon, it was 38 and snowing. And I was like, what is, what is this? What is this? It's just a moving target. Smith came to the Weather Service office in Juneau after working as a TV meteorologist in South Dakota. He says forecasting there was a little more straightforward. South Dakota is mostly flat. Just because it's flatter, the range of possibilities is much smaller. And so it's just, in a sense, easier to forecast. The basic components of weather forecasts are the same no matter where you are. It starts with radar and satellite imagery that show the basics of incoming weather systems. Things like what direction a front is traveling and how much precipitation it's bringing. Then weather models bring out the finer details. They basically run simple atmospheric data through equations that predict things like wind speed, dew point, and temperature. And those tools work really well in some regions. But in a place like Southeast Alaska, things are more complicated. Ours is a lot more intricate in knowing, needing to know these tiny little details and microclimates that we have to deal with. Basically, what's happening in the atmosphere doesn't always give a clear picture of what's happening on the ground. Weather systems interact with the terrain. And the many mountains and waterways of Southeast Alaska make things hard. Take Huna and Gustavus. They're fairly close to each other, but the same wind pattern can cause very different weather in each place. So you have a north wind. So north wind for Gustavus is coming off of land, probably going to be cold, probably going to be snow. But a north wind over Huna is coming off of water, rain, rain snow mix, or rain. Those differences define microclimates in southeast. They're small areas where the climate patterns differ from the rest of the region. And even Juneau has a handful of distinct microclimates. On a winter day, storm clouds coming in off the ocean can hit Douglas Island and dump rain in downtown Juneau. But if you drive out to the valley, in the shadow of Mendenhall Glacier, you might encounter fresh white snow instead. Meteorologist Nicole Farron says the models predict weather conditions for areas that are just three square kilometers. But even in that small grid, Juneau's terrain can change from land to ocean to high mountain peaks. Majority of this box is a mountain, and the, mod the models think that that is a mountain point. They don't know that Home Depot's right there. But I do. So on the forecast map, she'll edit weather conditions by hand. It's not just microclimates. Southeast Alaska is also a huge region. Our area is about the size of Florida. And Florida has six or seven offices, and we have one. And not all the meteorologists have a chance to visit the many small communities they forecast for. So they turn to the people that live there. People that are weather nerds like the rest of us here in the building, and they like weather, so they report on it. They can tell meteorologists what will happen on the ground when a weather system moves over the land. If a front passes over Gustavus, for instance, local observers have an idea of what's going to happen in Juneau. In most cases, forecasters make their decision with an abundance of caution, especially when making storm advisories and warnings. They make the forecast for safety purposes, so they're bound to overpredict. But Smith says an accurate forecast in a place like Southeast is a unique rush. It makes it kind of more of a challenge and more fun when you, when you can nail it and when you get it right. And he says the people of Southeast are uniquely forgiving, too. In Juneau, I'm Anna Canny. A new ferry terminal north of Juneau is one step closer to becoming a reality. 
Last week, state officials signed a memorandum of understanding with Juno's Urban Native Corporation to collaborate on construction of a ferry terminal at Cascade Point. As KTOO's Katie Anastas reports, supporters of the project say it will shorten travel time to Haines and Skagway and reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Everyone would like to welcome aboard the uh, Jaslina. Captain, captain Patrick Phillips knows the route from Juno's Ock Bay to Haines like the back of his hand. He says it usually takes four and a half hours. Departing from Cascade Point instead of Ock Bay could shave 30 miles off the trip and reduce travel time significantly. That'll take a two hour bite out of that trip. That could be enough time to fit two trips into one day. Phillips thinks the shorter travel time and potential for multiple trips per day would increase demand. That was the case when the fast ferry ran between Juneau and Haines. We had a lot of traffic on the fast ferry because people didn't have to take their kid out of school for three days to go to Haines. So we may end up getting more people off the couch and on the ferry with this new terminal. That's my hope. Standing aboard the Taslina on Thursday, state transportation officials signed a memorandum of understanding with Gold Belt Incorporated to work together to build a ferry terminal at Cascade Point. The state plans to lease the land there owned by Gold Belt. Now that the memorandum has been signed, the design process can begin. Steve Solander, Gold Belt's Vice President of Operations for Alaska, says the terminal will meet the needs of both the corporation and the state. A uh, memorandum of understanding allows us to negotiate and uh, work with a pre-engineering group to design Cascade Point to the uses of DOT as well as mixed-use space for future opportunities. Governor Mike Dunleavy was in Juneau for the signing. He said it's part of a broader effort to improve Southeast Alaskans' access to the road system. This has been a long time coming, and we know this is a step, but this is a major step. This is really a commitment to see this through. Along with reduced travel time, supporters of the project say there are environmental benefits. Duff Mitchell is a member of the Juneau Commission on Sustainability. He estimates that ferries burn about 250 gallons of fuel every hour. Reducing travel time and distance would reduce emissions. And when you add that up, the, the amount of savings is phenomenal over a year run. Alaska Department of Transportation Commissioner Ryan Anderson says shorter routes could make it possible to use a low-emission or electric ferry for the routes, since they have a limited range. As you shorten up the distances, you know, the technologies right now um, they're starting to get there, where we could start considering, you know, an electric-powered ferry that would just be a shuttle between Haines Skagway and uh, a place like Cascade Point. Department of Transportation spokesperson Sam Dapsovich says increasing service between Juneau, Haines, and Skagway could help the state meet demand and generate more revenue. Well, this is one of our highest uh, volume routes. We get a lot of traffic on it, um, people trying to get, and it's going to probably be even higher this year just because of how our ferry schedule worked out. So um, the more service we can add between here and there, the better. He says Gold Belt and the state hope to finish the preliminary design process by the end of the year. In Juneau, I'm Katie Anastas. Alaska's congressional delegation has filed an amicus brief in a federal lawsuit that threatens to shut down salmon trolling in southeast Alaska this summer. The brief is meant to be friendly guidance for the courts, but at least one of Alaska senators is not feeling especially friendly about the possible threat to an Alaskan way of life. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. 
Lawyers for Senators Dan Sullivan and Lisa Murkowski and Representative Mary Peltola filed the brief on March 6th in the U.S. District Court of Western Washington. The lawsuit was brought three years ago by the Seattle-based Wild Fish Conservancy against the National Marine Fisheries Service. The conservancy argues that southeast salmon trollers in Alaska intercept king salmon crucial to the survival of an endangered population of killer whales in Puget Sound in violation of the Endangered Species Act. The court is now considering whether or not to vacate the permit that allows the summer and winter troll fisheries in Alaska to operate until the violation has been remedied. An amicus brief doesn't argue either side of the case, but is more like friendly advice to the court. During a recent visit to Wrangell, however, Senator Dan Sullivan was not feeling very amicable toward the Wild Fish Conservancy. This lawsuit is ridiculous. Think about what they're trying to do, shut down this fishery. Estimates are that could impact Southeast by $100 million for orca problems in Puget Sound. They're not asking for the fishery in Puget Sound to be shut down. They're not asking about the pollution in Puget Sound. They're looking at shutting down our fishery here. Idiotic. And an abuse of the Endangered Species Act. The amicus brief itself takes a more measured tone and suggests that the cure is worse than the disease. The National Marine Fisheries Service is already rewriting the 2019 biological opinion that the Wild Fish Conservancy first took issue with and is bringing it into line with the Endangered Species Act. NIMFS is going to protect the killer whales. The amicus brief asks the court to protect the humans who've depended on this fishery for over a century. A final report and recommendation on the matter is pending in front of U.S. District Court Judge Richard A. Jones. In addition to vacating the incidental take statement that allows king salmon trolling in Alaska, Jones will also decide whether or not to suspend a Washington hatchery program intended to make more prey available for the southern resident killer whales. Reporting in Sitka with help from Sage Smiley in Wrangell, I'm Robert Woolsey. It's 31 degrees and you're listening to KTOO.